Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Restart Hope lives on as Lime Tree Bay Refinery on St. Croix receives $20 million from St. Croix Energy, the only qualified bidder. Dominica presents Ambassador Francine Barron for election to UNESCO board. Jailed without charge legal in Jamaica as pre-crime measure. And Canada to withdraw non-essential personnel from embassy in Haiti. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, November 15th. We start a report today in the U.S. Virgin Islands. The Virgin Islands Consortium reports that the Lime Tree Bay Refinery on St. Croix's South Shore received a bid of $20 million from St. Croix Energy, whose aim is to restart the refinery. According to documents filed in Texas Bankruptcy Court Sunday, St. Croix Energy has been named the stalking horse bidder and is currently the only qualified firm bidding on the facility. A stalking horse agreement is a bid for a bankrupt firm or its assets that is arranged in advance of an auction to act as an effective reserve bid. The opening bid from St. Croix Energy received on October 25th was $11.5 million. However, over the last few days, the parties have negotiated a significant increase in the amount being offered by the stalking horse bidder, according to court documents. On Saturday, a bidder with an executed asset agreement from St. Croix Energy for $20 million or $8.5 million more than the company's original bid was agreed upon. The $20 million bid is for all or substantially all of the debtor's assets on the going concern basis, according to court documents, the debtor being the Lime Tree Bay Refinery. A court hearing has been scheduled for today, Monday, where Judge David Jones, the chief bankruptcy judge for the Southern District of Houston, Texas, will determine whether to grant St. Croix Energy an increase in the total allowable amount of bid protections of 5%, up from the original 3%, which would result in reimbursement of expenses of $1 million payable on closing of the sale, according to the court documents. If St. Croix Energy, currently the presumptive bid winner, secures the auction that is set to take place on Thursday, it would still face a number of obstacles before oil refining resumes at Lime Tree Bay. In a release issued in early October, St. Croix Energy said, We are 100% committed, not just to the sustainable economic growth of St. Croix, but also to the environment and to the Virgin Islands as a whole, since most of our partners live here. Dominica News Online reports that Minister of Education Octavia Alfred has stated that after 16 years, Dominica wants to upgrade its representation on the United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organization, UNESCO Board. At the 41st session of the General Conference of UNESCO in Paris on Thursday, Alfred said the organization continues to support Dominica in the implementation of major programs. According to the minister, Dominica has also ensured that its national priorities 
are well reflected in UNESCO's country strategy plans and work program over the years. It is in this regard we desire to upgrade our representation on the UNESCO board after 16 years and we humbly invite you to support our candidate for membership on the board for the period of 2021 to 2025, Alfred said. Dominica's proposed candidate for election to the UNESCO executive board is... Ambassador Francine Barron. The executive board elections will be held on Wednesday, November 17. She continued, on a mandate to culture, UNESCO continues to support our government in the implementation of programs that promote and safeguard Dominica's rich cultural heritage. Under the leadership of the UNESCO cluster office in Jamaica, we have ensured that critical stakeholders in the sector of culture, rural development, environment, tourism, youth, and agriculture remain closely tied to the mandate and program of UNESCO. Dominica wishes to publicly reaffirm its support to UNESCO Global Education 2030 Agenda. Like UNESCO, our government believes that education is a human right for all and access to learning must be equal, the minister said. The Jamaican Gleaner reports that pending a ruling on the constitutionality of specific detentions under states of emergency, the Jamaican government insisted Sunday that it has the power to hold persons without preferring charges as a preemptive mechanism to prevent crime. The declaration comes in the wake of Sunday's imposition of emergency measures in seven police divisions. St. Andrew South, Kingston Western, Kingston Central, Kingston Eastern, St. James, Hanover, and Westmoreland. Those geographic zones represent 664, or 54%, of the 1,240 murders recorded up to November 12. Attorney General Marlene Malahu Forte said unequivocally, however, that detentions as long as one year without charge, a concern that featured in a September 2020 Supreme Court ruling that five men were held unlawfully under states of emergencies, would not be tolerated in the newest iteration of the security measure that was last used in August last year. The constitutionality of such detentions came under scrutiny in a Supreme Court ruling in the case of Everton Douglas et al. v. the Ministry of National Security, the Commissioner of Police, and the Attorney General. The government has appealed the ruling, but the Attorney General was adamant that the Holiness Administration was not willing to wait on the High Court decision to prevent its day-to-day -day running of the country. In relation to detentions, it is important that you understand that not everyone who is or will be detained in the state of emergency will be charged with an offense. The law permits detentions where it is reasonably necessary to prevent someone from committing an offense and that will depend on what the assessment on the ground is, Forte said. She further sought to dispel the notion that the government may have overstepped its power and that the new state of emergency may be in contempt of the high court ruling.
HaitiNews.net reports that the Foreign Ministry of Canada has decided to temporarily withdraw supporting personnel and family members of employees from the Canadian Embassy in Haiti amid the deteriorating security situation in the country. There is a serious shortage of fuel in Haiti due to the blockage of oil terminals by armed gangs. The security situation in Haiti is rapidly deteriorating and is being exasperated by ongoing fuel shortages. As a result, Global Affairs Canada is temporarily withdrawing non-essential Canadian employees as well as family members of Canadian embassy staff from Haiti, the statement said. Essential staff remaining at the embassy will continue to provide assistance to Canadian citizens in Haiti, according to the statement. The foreign ministry recommends Canadian citizens to avoid traveling to Haiti unless there is a substantial need. The fuel shortage has been observed in Haiti for several months, and it has affected the majority of industries apart from major and middle-sized private companies. State institutions were also affected. Haiti is experiencing a crime rate as the armed gangs that control large portions in Port-au-Prince and other regions gain more power. The action of these gangs since June 2021 have led to the involuntary resettlement of more than 19,000 people. In other related news, the Virgin Islands Free Press via the Associated Press reports that a powerful Haitian gang leader said Friday he is easing a chokehold on fuel deliveries that has caused a growing crisis for hospitals, gas stations, and even water supplies across the nation's capital. G9 gang member leader Jimmy Barbecue Cherizier held a news conference to announce a seven-day reprieve for hospitals, schools, and gas stations to send trucks to refueling stations at the port. The capital and much of the country has been in a standstill since last month when the G9 sealed entry into the port where fuel is stored and distributed. Government police and troops have seemed helpless to confront G9 and other gangs even as the closing of gas stations stifled much of the already precarious economy. Resources and opportunities available for youth development in the region are coming under the microscope as the Caribbean Community CARICOM Secretariat launches a regional youth development status survey 10 years after adopting the CARICOM Youth Development Action Plan. Set for rollout today, November 15th, the survey will collect data on challenges to youth development and the policies in place to enable them to thrive. It will also collect data on opportunities young people have for sound education, employment, and entrepreneurship, as well as factors that support their health and well-being. In addition to informing the expansion and revision of the CARICOM Youth Development Action Plan to respond to youth development needs and more comprehensively, the survey data will also inform mechanisms to strengthen national and regional partnerships towards youth development. The survey targets young people between the ages of 10 to 29 from all member states and associated members of CARICOM. 
Newsday reports that Trinidad and Tobago's state of the emergency is expected to be lifted by November 29th, and with it goes the seven-hour curfew from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Prime Minister Dr. Keith Rowley made the announcement on Saturday during a media briefing at the International Airport after his return from the United Kingdom and Scotland. He was responding to questions on the possible extension of the state of emergency and lifting of the curfew hours. The state or emergency was implemented on May 15th as one of the strongest measures to prevent movement of people to stymie the spread of COVID-19. On May 24th, Parliament extended it until August 29th and it was thereafter again extended for three months. In the last few weeks, the number of COVID cases have increased along with the number of people who are dying and hospital authorities have been dealing with an influx in patient overburdening the intensive care units. Dr. Rowley said that the state of emergency was coming to an end on November 29th, and as of now, I don't have any intention of asking the parliament to extend it. But Rowley warned that the curfew will continue to be put in place until then. After that, we will be able to get back to some semblance of normalcy, he said. He said by now the population should be able to cope and know what needs to be done. However, he did not announce any new rollback on restrictions, such as the reopening of beaches and resumption of team sports. The Barbados government has announced an adjustment also to its hours of the curfew that were imposed in the wake of the coronavirus. In making the announcement on Saturday, Prime Minister Mia Motley said the curfew will be removed from 9 p.m. local time to midnight starting today, Monday, November 15th. Speaking at the COVID-19 update, the Prime Minister said that the following consultation with various stakeholders, it has been agreed that the curfew hours will be shortened and reviewed after four weeks, during which individuals will be encouraged to be vaccinated and maintain the protocols. She told reporters that the concessions regarding the curfew are in response to several requests from across the country. She reported that Barbadians had been very responsive to the government's vaccination efforts and disclosed that 66.3% or two out of every three people over the age of 12 have taken the vaccine. And finally, Sail World reports that Antigua Classic Yacht Regatta invites the Sail World to join them next year, March 30th to April 4th. Italian watchmaker Lockman will return as the sponsor's event, offering their wonderful timekeepers as prizes. The current COVID protocol is that everyone must be fully vaccinated in order to enter Antigua by air or sea, and no quarantine is required. For more information, you can visit www.antiguaclassics.com. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, November 15th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook.